0: Join me, Dr. Panico, with Cindy Lauper and Chef Michelle Bernstein to talk about plaque psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, the potential connection and risk of developing permanent joint damage.
1: Learn more at 1-844-Cosentix or cosentix.com slash Cindy. Spectrum Business knows small business owners have to do it all. Get Spectrum One for business. Just $49.99 a month for internet, advanced Wi-Fi with security shield, and a free mobile line for a year. Learn more at spectrum.com slash business. Restrictions apply. Services not available in all areas. Whether thou
2: art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art from land, thou shalt find here no water to drink, thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house, enter thou not. Through our fence, break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life, you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelle. I'm Dan. And I'm Lindsay. And you're Lindsay. Uh, <laughs> thank you for all the recent ratings and reviews, Creeps and Peepers. Uh They've been flooding in lately, and they are noticed and appreciated. Glad you are uh, enjoying the show.
0: Thanks for loving us. <laughs> uh,
2: just one announcement real quick. Uh, this week's merch announcement. Giant new collection, now on the Bad Magic Store, in the Bad Magic Store. Uh, have not released anything since before Christmas, so we've got a lot for you. Uh, first up, we've got the Louisiana Swamp Ass Monster. <laughs> arguably the scariest threat in the bayou. Uh, next, we've got the Winter Wendigo. Super cool, traditional, tattoo-inspired illustration. Then the uh, we head to the East Coast, pick up some delicious Philly Cheese Cake. Uh, we've got stickers. I actually
0: forgot about the cheesecake until I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: we got stickers, office polos, more, all now available at badmagicproductions.com, uh, a collection sponsored by the dude and the chick.
0: Dude and the chick. Look, I have the swamp ass blanket. Oh, yeah, this the week. blanket.
2: Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Very cool.
0: Yeah, it's so fun. I know that's not like you can't see all of it, but there we go. <laughs> you forget that on cameras, it's like inverted. You got to go the uh-huh. opposite way. It's pretty funny.
2: Um, what fan submitted true horror do you have for us today Lindsay I think you told me you got two
0: I have two good memory sir Uh, my first story uh, taking a little detour from the most scary stories a more peeper friendly story about an unknown entity I often get emails about like hey my significant other is not super into scary stuff. So where's a good place for them to start to try and like convince them? So I think this is a great uh, entry-level story, if you will. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It is a really cool story. And then my second one is a story about lost time while hiking in Michigan.
2: Okay, cool. Yeah,
0: I'm excited about both of them. I like it. Good, I hope you do.
2: I have my uh, my standard two stories as well. Uh, the first, very different. It takes us to a remote Russian lake in Siberia. Oh, dear. Where reports of some type of monster, or several monsters actually, have floated about for well over a century. Uh, they're kind of collectively called the Lake Labinker Devil. Is it just folklore, or is there some kind of leftover dinosaur or dinosaurs or something living in this lake, real-life sea serpents? Very strange.
0: Are you going to do any like Russian accents for us?
2: There's, you know, there's Russian names that I'll probably like add a little sauce a little to. A flair, yeah. So I can say them, but that's about it.
0: Okay, okay. I, I just didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> uh,
2: my next story takes us back to Wildwood, Missouri, Zombie Road. Uh, while we once shared stories from Zombie Road several years ago, today's encounters all new. Cool. Uh, or at least new for us to share. Uh, hopefully the first of many times that we're able to revisit some haunted places that have a lot of different claims of paranormal encounters we have not shared here. Uh, All sorts of shadowy entities have supposedly been witnessed and continue to be witnessed along this short stretch of road just outside of St. Louis. Uh, Are you ready to show off your socks? I am. And I'm I'm
0: excited to go back to Zombie Road because I think it's cool to hear different kinds of encounters from
2: the same place. Yeah, we've been to so many places now. It's like, this is the first time, you know, years in that we've done this. But I'm like, God, there's other places where I'm like, oh man, that's another good story from that place. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I got my shroom socks on, which are so super cute. I love them.
2: I often do think about how strange this ritual is for like new listeners. <laughs> Whether, like somebody just popping in randomly like, what? What do oh, socks have to do with any of this?
0: Oh, no. I would. Uh, they're like, oh, do they have a weird like wiki feed? Do they, <laughs> yeah. just, does Dan have a fetish? Is that uh-huh. like, what's happening here? So <laughs> we're not even going to explain it. We're just going to keep it's, going. Yeah, it's
2: just a thing that's been happening for a while. Uh, <laughs> uh, it started and then it just kept going.
0: Yeah, and that's all you need to know.
2: <laughs> a little bit of setup before I share details of a story that weaves in and out of supposed eyewitness accounts and scientific exploration. Lake Labinker, located in Russia's Sahar Republic. The Sahar Republic, part of the Russian Far East along the Arctic Ocean. The capital city is Yakutsk, coldest city in the world. Uh, The lake is 17.3 square miles with an average depth of 171 feet. Despite being located in one of the coldest inhabited areas on Earth, if not the coldest, where the average daily low in Fahrenheit, the average low for three months out of the year is roughly 50 degrees below zero. Uh, (laughs)
0: People live there? Yeah. How? I don't know. That seems impossible.
2: Uh, With its 36 degree Fahrenheit water temperature, the lake never completely freezes over, which has only added to its intrigue over the years. Scientists have speculated that there may be an underground hot spring or fissure heating the large body of water. Another unique feature of the lake is a 263 feet deep underwater trench that divers have never explored. Some scientists believe the lake connects via an underground tunnel to Lake Vorata, which is about 12 miles away. Both lakes have the same water levels, which seemingly supports this theory according to its proponents. Local lore about the mysteries of Lake Labinker go back centuries and include stories of a terrifying monster within its depths. Time now for the tale of the Lake Labinker Devil. In the book, Trip to the Cold Pole, author Gennady Borodulin wrote about an alleged encounter from the 1920s. Borodulin wrote that a family of nomads was following a herd of reindeer and decided to camp on the shore of Lake Labinker. A five-year-old child was with their group, and the child wandered off to inspect a small stream that fed into the lake. The busy adults did not realize he had walked away until they were alerted to his absence by the boy's screams. His father and grandfather immediately rushed to the stream's bank to help him, but it was too late. Borodulin wrote... They stopped on the edge of the water and saw the child being carried away by an unknown animal to the center of the lake. It was a dark creature with a mouth looking like a bird's beak. It held the child and moved away with quick rushes and it dived, leaving huge waves, dragging the child under the water. The grandfather called it a devil and swore to avenge his grandchild. He stuffed an animal skin sack with fur, rags, grass and pine needles, put a burning piece of wood inside and threw it into the water. That night, the group heard loud splashing and a horrible screaming. The devil had fallen for the trap and eaten the burning wood. In the morning, the group found the creature's massive dead body. They described it as being over 20 feet long, with a huge jaw, small legs, and fins. The grandfather cut his dead grandson's body out of the creature's stomach and buried him along the stream. What they did with the remains is undocumented, probably because this story is considered to be, you know, either completely fictional or highly embellished. Elements of truth, perhaps. Perhaps. Luckily, that's not the only account of the Lake Labinker devil. The most widely referenced and trusted account of the creature, also called the monster of Lake Labinkar, comes from now deceased geologist Viktor uh, Terverdeklov. Ter- oh, How I tried to say this word so many times before. It's that's a tricky. Okay. Tverdeklov. Tver In 1953, Tverdeklov led a team of nine geologists from the Soviet Academy of Sciences to study both Lake Vorata and Lake Labinkar. In 1953, he wrote, There have been all sorts of hypotheses about what kind of creature it could be. A giant pike? A relic reptile? Or amphibia? We didn't manage to prove or disprove these versions. We managed to find remains of jaws and skeleton of some animal. Tevrdeikloff's journal entries were published in a Soviet magazine eight years after the expedition. The Siberian Times also published journal excerpts in 2012. The following entry comes from May 30th. There are many legends about this Lake Labinker. In the evening, sitting by the fire, our guide told us that a devil lived in the lake. He is so big that the distance between his eyes is wider than a fisherman's raft made of ten logs. I heard about this devil before and many times. In Ustner, I heard that the devil ate a dog. The dog swam to bring a shot duck to the hunter, then huge jaws raised up out of the water, and the dog just disappeared in a moment. One of the Tomtor villagers told me that one day he found a huge bone on the shore of Lake Labinker. It was the devil's jaw. If you put it vertically, he said you could ride on a horse through it like it, like under an arch. He said this jawbone remained near the fisherman's house on the shore. I have heard legends about how a whole caravan perishing going under the ice of Lake Labinker. It was spoken that people saw a big horn sticking out of the ice. People gathered around it on the ice and tried to take it out. But suddenly the ice broke and many people and reindeer died. The team arrived at Lake Labinker on June 5th. They did not find any traces of the monster despite their search efforts. But then they arrived at its sister lake, Lake Varata, July 28th. On July 30th, uh Tevredeklof made the following entry. This is what happened today. It was a sunny, friendly morning. Boris uh, Boshkatov, and I went on a walking trip around Lake Varata. We had to climb rocks on the way. About 11 a.m., the way became dangerous and we decided to go down a bit closer to the water. Looking at the water from the rock I clearly saw a terrace under the water with a huge white spot on it. But when I looked at the terrace again a minute later, there was no white spot there. Maybe sunshine is joking with me, I thought. Some of the translation, a little. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, but suddenly Boris shouted, look, what is there in the middle? We stopped. Some 300 or 400 meters away on the water, there was clearly seen some white object shining under the sunlight. A barrel, said Boris, made of tin. Maybe a horse got into the lake, I said. Truly, the object was swimming and fast enough. It was something alive, some animal. It was making an arch, first along the lake, then right towards us. As it was getting closer, a strange coldness, like a stupor, was growing inside me. Above the water, there was a big, dark gray body. The white color was gone. On this dark gray background, there were clearly visible two symmetrical light spots looking like eyes. And there was just a stick in the body, maybe a fin or a harpoon of an unlucky fisherman, a horn, We saw just a part of the animal, but we could guess it was much bigger. uh, We could guess its much bigger massive body was under the water. We could guess this thing looking how the monster was moving. Raising from the water, it threw its body forward, then fully went under the water. At this time, the waves were going away from its head, waves originating under the water. Flapping its mouth, catching fish, I guessed. The animal was obviously swimming towards us, and the waves made by the animal reached our legs. We looked at each other and immediately began to climb up the rock. What if it... "'came out of the water. "'We witnessed a predator, no doubt. "'One of the strongest predators in this world. "'Such indomitable, merciless, "'and some sensible fierceness "'was in his every movement, in all its looks. "'The animal stopped some 100 meters away from the shore. "'Suddenly, it began to beat against the water. "'Waves went all ways. "'We could not understand what was going on. "'Maybe it lasted just a minute, "'and then the animal was gone. "'It dived. "'It was only then when I thought about a camera. "'We stood for another 10, 20 minutes. "'It was quiet.' We went further. There was no doubt we saw the devil, the legendary monster of this area. The Yakut fisherman was right. The animal had dark gray skin, and the distance between its eyes was surely not less than a raft of ten logs. But he saw it in Labinker, and we saw it in Varata Lake. There, They are 20 kilometers away from each other, and they are not connected. I recalled that white spot under the water. Obviously, the animal was hunting at the underwater terrace, and we scared it when we shouted going down the rocks. Deverday Kloff was reminded of his past experiences seeing orca whales. He wrote, "But if we imagine it is a killer whale, how could it get here? The sea of Okhotsk is some 300 kilometers away, and the plateau is 1 kilometer above sea level. How would the sea animals survive in fresh water? How did it get here? Is it alone here, or is there a whole family? What do they eat? How did they survive the ice age?" In 1960, there were several accounts of a long-necked monster emerging from the water with an eerie sound in front of numerous witnesses. In some stories, the monster is described as lizard-like. In others, it is dark gray with a massive mouth, eyes spaced far apart. The devil is aggressive, reportedly attacks both people and animals, and may be able to crawl out of the water and go up onto the shore. One magazine reported in the early 2000s, per the Siberian Times, comparing comparing the stories, we can say that it is 9 to 10 meters long. 1.2 to 1.5 meters wide, its jaw is huge, up to a third the size of its body, looking like a huge beak with lots of teeth. And there was a sort of bone-made horn on the top of the animal. In 2000, a group of animal researchers set out to explore the lake. One man, identified as Vladimir, wrote, There was a signal from our echo-sounding device. Something was moving around our net with fish, something very big, 7 to 10 meters. It is hard to say because we did not know the speed of the object. And our nerves are not made of iron. There were two of us in the rubber boat, far away from the shore. We did not want to find it out. To find out. Just got away from there. Uh, there were interesting trails on the water as if something big is swimming not very deep and plain in the water. There is a strange island there. It is in the middle of the lake and lots of broken nests of the seagulls. The gulls were just crushed alive when they were asleep and did not have a chance to fly away. Some birds were eaten. Some just left there. Who did it? In my humble opinion, there are four or five big animals in this lake. If people do not rush there, maybe they will survive. In 2012, associate professor of biogeography at Moscow State University, Lumilda, uh, oh my gosh, Amelia, Amelia Yanova. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Lumida, Ludmila, Amelia Yanova told the Siberian Times that she used sonar to record a massive underwater object in the lake during a 2002 research trip. Emilianova recalled, It was our fourth or fifth day at the lake when our echo-sounding device registered a huge object in the water under our boat. The object was very dense, of homogeneous structure, surely not a fish nor a shoal of fish, and it was above the bottom. I was very surprised but not scared and not shocked. After all, we did not see this animal, we only registered a strange object in the water. But I can clearly say at the moment, as a scientist... I cannot offer you an explanation of what this object might be. Her team recorded repeat readings of this unusual object and she came to believe there may be more than one there may be more than one large object in the lake. She continued, "I can't say we literally found and touched something unusual there, but we did register, register with our echo sounding device several seriously big underwater objects bigger than a fish, bigger than even a group of fish." Dr. Emilianova told the outlet that historic accounts of the monster go back to the late 19th century. Some have speculated that the two lakes, Lake Labinker and Verata, are inhabited by a school of ichthyosaurs, prehistoric marine reptiles, that look like dolphins or sharks. Another theory is that the lake is inhabited by plesiosaurs, which have long necks similar to the Loch Ness Monster. Dr. Emilianova said, Personally, I do believe that when the information about something strange circulates among local people for so many years, It just can't be groundless. It means something is there. Dr. Emilianova shared a story from local fishermen with the Siberian Times. These fishermen claimed that when the lake is calm and quiet with no winds, they sometimes feel waves coming from beneath the water in a force that will shake their boats. It was as if a big body was moving under the water and producing waves which reached the surface and shook the vessel. Once in the fall, two fishermen were in the middle of the lake on their 10-meter boat. When the bow started to rise, like something was pushing it up out of the water. They saw nothing, and the boat went back down quickly, but knowing the legends, they were terrified and believed they had just been spared by the Lake Labinka Devil. The Times published a story from researchers who went to the lake in August of 2006. They used a portable fish finder and obtained readings very similar to Dr. Amelia Canova and her team. One anonymous member of the research team recalled that the weather was ideal with no large waves. The bottom of the lake at that spot was stone, and their engine was off. They eliminated any factors that could interfere with their readings. Their device showed what they thought looked like a long chain of big fish, 4 meters above the lake bottom at a depth of 30 to 45 meters. They went further away from shore to a deeper part of the lake. For a while their screen showed no readings until, quote, all of a sudden it blew up with signals about a huge school of fish, just like a cloud. The anonymous team member further explained, "Let me say a word about local fish. All kinds of fish here are predators." But the bottom of the lake is dead. Stones with sand, very cold near the bottom, no plants. Also, fish predators just cannot swim altogether making such a huge school. Anybody familiar with zoology will understand what I mean. This is why it meant nothing else but that it was a huge creature. We went twice above the object. It was at the depth of 30 meters, where the floor was 50 meters below, the upper fish, was at a depth of 25 meters, the lower fish at 32 meters. This suggests the creature was seven meters wide. What was it? We cannot say. They switched off the fish ID and used a scanner. They registered a shadow 15 to 17 meters under their boat, and the shadow was over six meters long. They knew it was not a normal fish or a fallen tree. They noted that they got the majority of their readings at a depth of 42 to 60 meters, approximately 137 to 196 feet. Some wildlife experts believe that the devil is nothing more than a very large pike fish, or that the stories are nothing more than the imagination of nervous people. However, Yuri Gerasimov, head of the ichthyology department at the Institute of Biology of Freshwater of the Russian Academy of Sciences, expressed his doubts to the Siberian Times, saying, I have never come across such a big pike, and I highly doubt they can exist. If we trust stories about this devil, they must be about 1.5 meters between the eyes, It means the length of the body must be about 7 to 8 meters. Pike do not live so long in order to reach such a big size. There are two factors that help fish grow, nutrition and comfortable water temperature. Even if nutrition is perfect there, surely the temperature is not that high. So in my opinion, the view about a huge pike is a fantastical one. In early 2013, the Russian Geographic Society and the Diving Sport Federation of Russia initiated a scientific expedition to obtain water and soil samples from sections of the lake to compare to samples from nearby Lake Verrata. The team wanted to study how extreme weather would affect the human body and diving equipment. Scientists wanted to understand what kinds of food the fish and other organisms eat during the winter because there are few observable plants beneath the surface. This was the first planned dive to the bottom of Lake Labinker. A dozen divers went into the lake February of 2013. Divers Dimitri Schiller and Alexander Gubin set a world record for the deepest ever dive under ice. They dove almost 60 meters, almost 200 feet. News outlets around the world reported that the research team did discover a very large jawbone and skeleton with the scanner, but the divers were not able to bring those bones back to the surface. What could they be, fossils or something much more recent? The team from the Russian Geographical Society claimed that they found the skeletal remains of an animal that did fit the description of the enormous devil of Lake Labinker. So what the hell is down there? Lake Labinker is a place full of both scientific and folklore mysteries. In this, Is this the lake, not Loch Ness, where someday we might actually find a living monster, a dinosaur, some completely unknown creature more fitting for an H.P. Lovecraft novel than anything from this world? Will we ever find definitive proof of the existence of the Lake Labinker Devil? And if we do, what else could be out there that we still don't know about?
0: I am so proud of myself. Yeah. I felt like a scientific detective over here. <laughs> yeah. I was making so many notes and I was like, yes. Like when you were talking about the jaw and then they yeah. rode through it like an arch, yeah. I was like, okay, dinosaur size. And then I wrote down like with the, it has- The
2: long kind yeah. of nose, yeah. Yeah, and
0: then there was maybe something about like, No, i know it's not a unicorn but like it had like a horn horn. yeah Mm -hmm. then i was like is it a narwhal is it a rhinoceros like some weird combination i wrote down um i wrote down ocean i i did Uh not i wrote down shark dolphin like i i can just picture i mean those those were great descriptions and very helpful because i'm like what in the heck is this
2: i know it's so creepy yeah i like hearing about something that sounds like it has a lot more going on and a lot more like at least plausible eyewitness accounts than Loch Ness. Yes. But because Russia, you know, has been so secretive for so long. I mean, more stuff. About everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, more stuff has come out since, you know, since the fall of the Soviet Union, which has been a little while now. But, you know, with Putin and people, it's like, it's still, you don't know, like, what's going on over there? No. And, And in Siberia, especially, this area is so remote and so just inhospitable. I mean, people do live in little villages out there. But it is brutal weather, like the worst weather basically on Earth.
0: It sounds awful. And so, no target for sure.
2: <laughs> no, no. And so, um, yeah, maybe something has been hiding out there for a long time. It's like it's so weird. It's
0: so uh, okay. Well, two thoughts. One mm-hmm. thought: it is so interesting to me to think about living in such a remote place that yeah. is so brutal and so challenging. Yeah. It's like I doubt that there's like a pub. Like, like it, to not me, it just, not in those
2: little towns. Yeah, no.
0: It just me to me it just is. Uh, I don't know, a very, like a, what's the word I want? Like a throwback to just like, you know, they're probably minimal uh, technology. I I don't know. It's just so hard to wrap our heads around when we live in a quick, fast, Mm -hmm. very populated society with, you know, access to everything we need. And like, I just, I I feel like I would need to go there to truly wrap my head around what it's like. And also, I've, no desire to go there.
2: Yeah, there are some, there are some little villages that are primarily like indigenous people. Yeah, you know that Russia conquered a long time ago, mm-hmm. and that they still live like a little bit more traditionally, you which know, I think like, is so cool, like oh, staying so cool. true to those roots, hunting. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that. There are some cities, and then and then there's uh basically when they had the gulag system mm-hmm. of their terrible prisons. Yeah, there were some little uh, towns that were basically sent up to be administrative centers for the gulag. So it's <sighs> like God to be sent there where it's like 50 degrees below zero, and you're in some prison where they don't care about how comfortable you are. Oh, nightmare. God.
0: Nightmare. I mean, you're probably dying real
2: yeah. fast. And then Yakutsk, uh, that Y-A-K-U-T-S-K.
0: Oh, I wondered. Okay. This
2: big city, it was, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, gold mining was why, you know, it's like mm. b- b- definitely minerals. Like resources is mm. why they set up a city there. mm mm-hmm. And it's, it is pretty entertaining. Like I got distracted for a little bit. Like you can find all these, you know, vloggers or whatever who are, or, or people who have travel kind of YouTube sites, oh, like sure. I- extreme travel uh-huh. of them going to the city. It's very modern. Like it oh. has like buses, all this kind of stuff. It's like a couple hundred thousand people. I did not see that coming. No, it, but it is like insanely cool. I'm like, how do people not die there constantly? Well,
0: I guess it's just like anything. It's all yeah. in what you get used to. It's yeah. all in what you know. So like they're- They
2: dress for it. They have like huge like fur type coats and these very like all this thermal gear. Yeah. But it's like windy on top of being cold. There was this one video of this guy who like uh, just uh around 50 degrees below zero opened his window and I think just like breathed out into like the air and then basically on the other side of the window what looked like snow just came down. Wow. Like his breath- am- Instantly froze. Wow. Like any moisture in his breath.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to wrap up my comments. I'll share them with you later.
2: <laughs> oh, Oh. sorry. Okay. And then I have some pictures here. Yeah. This first one, a photo of Lake Labinker.
0: Binker boy. I think that's a nickname for Kyler.
2: Uh-huh. So, it's yeah, like, no trees. Yeah, it's gorgeous, but like very little. It's just the landscape, kind of like Iceland.
0: Yeah, just barren.
2: Barren, yeah. Uh. This next one is supposed to be sighting of the monster. I mean, it's just like a little head poking out of the water out there or something.
0: I mean, okay.
2: I know, I know. It's like, never. there's never never like the best pictures. Uh, <laughs> and then this next one, Andre uh Chikatilo? What? <laughs> Andre Chikatilo. Uh, 32-year-old man who kept a lonely all-night winter vigil at the side of this lake in the winter of 2016 into 2017. This is like the, in, in this article, it said it's the world's coldest inhabited region. He claimed the monster destroyed his fishing nets. And look at how terribly cold he seems. Look
0: at his beard and mustache. You just see icicles forming, which like, you know, I've lived in cold, like places that have winter and I've seen that happen. But like in in a situation like this, where it's like, you can't go outside with wet, cold, exposed skin because it's not just like, you're going to get a little fleck of something. Like you're going to turn to ice.
2: He lived in that little shack behind him the entire winter. Get, why? Here's a better picture of the shack. And it seems like a setting for a different kind of horror story
0: totally oh my god torture
2: yep you can see that little pipe coming out of the top he has a little like from his stove yep, yep he just had a tiny little like fireplace stove like minimal like the, just a couple like wooden chairs a little cot for a bed and he just stayed there all winter long by himself
0: i just immediately go to why like what were you going through a bad breakup like i don't understand what motivates you to he do wanted that
2: to see that monster so bad
0: i guess so i mean good for him because you know Mm-hmm. That's quite the accomplishment. I'm,
2: I'm, I'm guessing he is uh, at least slightly uh, eccentric, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Listen, listen. If I die first,
2: huh? You want me? To go and out you're there?
0: devastated and heartbroken as you should be. Okay. You go spend a year just really okay. reminiscing and honoring. That's actually that, that's how I want you to honor my life.
2: Write a great American novel yep. out in the shack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Okay. Cool. I'm glad we agree on
2: that. Uh, <laughs> uh, unless you have anything else, how about we leave Siberia and return to Missouri's Zombie Road? Let's go. Before we find out what new scares await us in a familiar place, we need to take a quick in-between story sponsor break.
0: Join me, Dr. Panico, with Cindy Lauper and Chef Michelle Bernstein to talk about plaque psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, the potential connection and risk of developing permanent joint damage.
1: Learn more at 1844 844 cosentix or cosentix.com slash cindy.
2: For a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's a deal you just cannot beat, creeps and peepers.
0: The secret sauce for Mint Mobile is that when you sign up, Ryan Reynolds himself calls you and asks you to be his new best friend. What? Just kidding. I wish that were the case. Actually, I wish his wife would be my best friend. But anyways, all Mint Mobile plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text so you can keep up with your actual real-life besties.
2: We love Mint Mobile. We have been using it for years and continue to be impressed by their wild, cool, and interesting service. Switching providers was, of course, a bit scary. We'd had the same provider for well over a decade, but we got to keep our phones, our phone numbers, and all of our contacts. We have four people on our plan and the savings is really incredible. I don't know why we were overpaying for so long.
0: Stop paying too much to talk to your best friends. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash scared. That's mintmobile.com slash scared. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash scared. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hot, steamy summer days are here. You can maintain your wellness goals all summer long with Factor Meals. With so many options like Keto, Calorie Smart, and Protein Plus, you are going to be blown away with how easy it is to eat well all summer long.
2: Factor's never frozen, always fresh meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen.
0: I have always been aware of what I put in my body, but after I turned 40, I've come to realize that it takes longer for my body to recover from a cheat day. Instead of obsessing about calories and ingredients in my meals and losing precious time outside, I lean on Factor to keep me healthy and satisfied. Right now, the Chicken Florentine and the Shredded Chicken Taco Bowl are at the top of my favorites list for my lunches and dinners. And I drink a cold-pressed fresh juice from the variety pack every morning to get things, you know, moving. With so many options to choose from, I never get bored with Factor.
2: Head to slash scared to death 50 and use code SCARED TO DEATH 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code SCARED TO DEATH 50 at slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Thanks for listening to our sponsor deals, creeps and peepers. A little bit of setup. And a refresher on this one, uh, this is necessary before we get into the spooky part of the story. Okay. Zombie Road is located in the city of Wildwood, Missouri, a place considered to be one of the most haunted roads in the U.S. Uh, We were here for the first time back in episode 54, Shadows, Specters, and Strigoi. Officially known as Lawler Ford Road, this 3.6 mile long route ends near the Merrimack River and is located near the intersection of Highway 109 and Old State Road. In 1868, the Glencoe Mining Company established an operation in the area, set up a railroad. The road was built in the 1860s uh, to haul gravel from the river to the railroad. When the local quarry was shut down in the 70s, the road no longer needed. In the 50s, teenagers gave it the nickname Zombie Road. This is because of a popular urban legend that claims a patient nicknamed Zombie escaped from a nearby asylum and attacked victims on the road. Now, this urban legend almost certainly false. Uh, there was no asylum. Uh, for certain near Lawler Ford Road. Still, the legend has persisted and the reputation of Zombie Road has attracted thrill-seekers for decades. And while there was likely no asylum, the spooky name still plays because of the alarming number of paranormal claims that come from the area. In 2010, Zombie Road was paved and converted into a walking-slash-biking path called Rock Hollow Trail. In recent years, the police have increased patrols and often issued fines to those caught trespassing after dark, especially leading up to Halloween. This has not stopped many young people from attempting paranormal investigations of the area. Many are attracted to Zombie Road because it allegedly sits on one of the largest indigenous burial burial mounds in the country. Zombie Road reportedly haunted by the spirits of indigenous people, Confederate soldiers, and children. There have been numerous claims of apparition sightings and unexplained noises on or near the trail. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, One resident spirit is said to reside in the abandoned cabins along the road, which are left over from when Glencoe, a community since absorbed by Wildwood, used to be a resort community. This spirit reportedly stands outside an abandoned house and shouts at passersby. But when visitors come close to speak with her, they can't ever find her. She has vanished. The trail may also be haunted by an individual who was hit by a train. According to Only in Your State, a website with all kinds of claims like this, a woman named Della Hamilton McCullough was killed by a train in 1876. There are no other records of anyone else who died after being struck by a train around this time, which means she is likely the spirit haunting the area. Some have seen a figure dressed in white walking along the old tracks thought to be Mrs. McCullough. Another spirit is the ghost of a young boy who fell off the bluffs by the river. His body was never found, which may be the reason he haunts the trail. A woman named Alex Matuzik spoke with local news outlet KSDK about her experience on Zombie Road in 2013. She went out for a walk in an area called the Merrimack Greenway, formerly known as Zombie Road. And Alex said, There are stories that anyone has there are stories that everyone has heard of this trail, and my aunt was in town, so we thought we may as well go check it out. We were back quite a ways. The road wasn't paved when we were walking the trail originally, so the brush was very high. Alex started to feel pockets of colder air. She and her aunt then heard a high-pitched squeal, almost sounding like it was from a teenage girl, a young woman. After we heard the sound, I felt a sharp pain on my leg. She and her aunt fled the woods. When she got home, she saw scratches on her leg, despite the fact she was wearing layers uh, layers of clothing and leather riding chaps because she'd gone horse riding earlier that evening. None of the clothing she was wearing was torn, but somehow her skin was pretty badly scratched. Alex said, I don't know any physical possible way. I would have gotten scratched without there being some kind of marking on my half-chap leather, markings on my pants or socks, but there were no tears, no nothing. The paranormal history of Zombie Road goes back decades. The following allegedly true story comes from the 1970s, when Zombie Road was still an actual road and a popular hangout spot for teenagers. Time now for the tale of a return to Zombie Road. Caroline knew where Jack was going as soon as he turned down the road to the elementary school. She'd been elated when Zach asked her on a date. He was two grades ahead of her and one of the more more popular guys at school. Her friends had warned her to be careful getting involved with him. He had the reputation of being a bit of a bad boy, but she ignored them. Caroline was buzzing with nervous excitement at the beginning of the night, but now she was just nervous. Caroline checked her watch. She still had an hour before she had to be home. Jack and his friends were known for staying out into the early morning hours, but her parents would ground her for eternity if she stayed out past curfew. She didn't want Jack to think she was boring, but she would have to keep a close eye on the time. Jack made his way slowly down the old gravel road, turning his head slightly to smile at Caroline. By now, they had gone about two miles down the road. Caroline saw a couple of abandoned cabins as they drove. She'd only been here once before and didn't see the appeal. Then and now, the dark road left her feeling paranoid and jumpy. The way the road twisted and turned made it difficult to see what was coming around the corner. Stories about a killer that she'd been told prowled around looking for teenagers only added to the nervousness she felt. Jack pulled over at a secluded turnoff spot, making sure his car was partially concealed by the trees. He'd gone far enough down the road that the risk of being caught was minimal. Caroline found herself secretly hoping that someone else would come along to break up the tension in the car. Caroline liked Jack, and she wanted to keep seeing him, but she worried that he had come out here to try to do something she was not ready for. Jack put the car in park and killed the engine. Caroline swallowed nervously. "'I had fun with you tonight,' he told her, giving her a flirtatious smile." Me too, she said quietly Without another word, Jack leaned in slowly, closing his eyes Caroline was too nervous to close her own She tensed up the closer he got Jack's lips brushed against hers Caroline gasped But not because of the kiss Standing on the other side of the road was the tall, dark shadow of a man Jack, she whispered, jerking away from him And leaning back against the window He looked confused Jack, look, she pointed straight ahead What? He turned around and immediately tensed up upon seeing the man standing across the road. Who do you think he is? Caroline asked, hoping that maybe it was one of their classmates trying to prank them. She had a feeling though that that wasn't the case. I have no idea. Normally Jack was all confidence, but Caroline could hear some fear in his voice. The man wasn't moving and they couldn't make out his expression, but something about his presence was threatening. Caroline couldn't see his face, but she knew he was looking right at them. Let's just get out of here, Caroline suggested. Yeah, yeah, let's go He turned the key and his car's engine roared back to life Relief flooded through her as Jack executed a quick and sharp turn That had them facing the opposite side of the road in seconds But then after backing up real quick The second before Jack would hit the gas again To complete the turn Caroline heard and saw a hand slap against her passenger side window And she screamed The man was now right there, grinning wildly Baring his teeth at them in a manner that was the opposite of friendly Jack was frozen next to her, knuckles turning white from how tightly he was gripping the steering wheel. "'Drive, Jack!' Caroline shouted. She smacked him in the arm and yelled again when he didn't move. The man started pounding his fist against the window, hard enough that she worried he was actually going to break the glass. The car shook from the force of his blows. Jack finally snapped out of it, floored the gas pedal. The tires spun for a second before the car shot forward. Caroline barely managed to stop herself from hitting the dashboard face first. How had the man move so fast?' Her mind was still reeling from the fact that he had been at least 20 feet away and in what felt like less than a second he was pressed against the car. Who was he? Was he the killer she'd heard about? She thought that was nothing but a made-up story. But maybe it was real. I don't want to die, Jack. She pleaded voice shaking near tears. We're not going to die. He tried his best to reassure her as he gunned it down the windy road. They rounded another curve and there he was. The man waiting for them standing dead center in the road. Jack, watch out! Caroline screamed. She knew they were going to hit him. All she could do was close her eyes and brace herself. Shit! Jack shouted, just a second before they felt the massive impact of hitting the man and sending him flying away from the car. Jack had slammed on the brakes, but it was too late. They hit him hard. She felt it. He's dead! He's dead! He's dead! The words repeated over and over in Caroline's mind. She covered her eyes with her hands, hunching in on herself and shaking her head in denial. She couldn't look. It would be too horrible. She heard Jack open his door and step outside, feet crunching on the gravel. A second later, her door jerked open and Jack was grabbing her arm. Caroline, he shook her when she refused to open her eyes. Caroline, I can't, I can't look. He's dead, isn't he? No, he's not. He's not there. Caroline slowly opened her eyes and looked out the front windshield. She didn't see anything and she turned back towards Jack, still not believing him. Jack was still leaning over her, pupils dilated, beat a bead of sweat dripping down his temple. He's gone. Come look. Jack stepped away on shaky legs. Caroline followed. They circled around the car. Caroline got on her stomach and pressed her face against the gravel to look underneath the car. Jack was right. Nothing. They had hit the man. He should be lying there, broken and bleeding on the road, but he'd vanished, leaving not one trace of blood behind, and Jack's car looked fine. An impossible thought entered Caroline's mind, but she had to consider it. Was... was he a ghost? She asked Jack, almost whispering the final word, afraid he might come back if he heard them. I don't know, Jack said just as quietly. She knew that the road was supposedly haunted, but Caroline always believed that the real dangers of the infamous zombie road were real people who might come out to prey on teens, partying or making out. But how could he move so fast? How could he seem to appear and disappear at will? It didn't make any sense. She and Jack stood there for a long time in the glow of his headlights, looking around and wondering what to do. They had hit a man, maybe even killed him, but he wasn't there. Jack finally broke to silence. We don't tell anyone what happened. Agreed? Agreed. Caroline hesitated for a long moment before she nodded. She felt sick with guilt, and she got back in the car and shut the door. They were leaving the scene of a deadly crime, weren't they? But what could they do if the victim had vanished? If they weren't even sure he was real? She hated thinking about how she'd now have to live with this feeling for the rest of her life. Jack drove slowly now, eyes peeled for the man's body lying somewhere on the road. Caroline prayed that he was still alive, that maybe they could pick him up and take him to the hospital, and everything would be okay. She thought about being arrested and interrogated Would she crack under the pressure? Would she blame Jack? What would her parents do? Would they disown her? Would she ever graduate high school? Would she die in prison? Jack was equally silent And she could tell similar thoughts were racing through his mind The car felt suffocating Guilt, confusion and fear clouding the air Making it feel impossible to breathe She rolled down the window and leaned her head against the car Feeling the breeze against her skin Caroline's eyes shifted to the mirror in front of her She looked at herself, the picture of guilt But couldn't face herself for very long Just before Caroline's eyes flicked away She caught a shadow Moving behind the car She almost threw herself out of the car Trying to see what was behind them It was the same man Standing in the road posture just as threatening As it had been the moment before They crashed into him Jack, she called out Jack, look, he's alive But how was he still standing After being hit at full speed By Jack's car Caroline thought she knew the answer But didn't want to consider it She saw Jack looking in his rearview mirror His mouth open in shock Fuck this, he abruptly said Hitting the gas and speeding down The remainder of the road Caroline wanted to cry from the overwhelming relief she felt when they reached the exit, drove past the familiar elementary school, and eventually onto her street. Jack idled the car a few houses down from hers, then put it in park and cut the engine. He turned to face her. We shouldn't talk about what happened. Caroline nodded. Ever. She nodded again. Promise me, Caroline. She swallowed. The night had taken such a drastic turn. Before she was afraid that Jack was going to get too handsy with her, now she feared what he would do if she didn't agree to keep her mouth shut. I I promise, she whispered. Jack drove down the street, dropped her off, giving her a final look as she got out of the car and scurried into her house, locking the door behind her. Caroline and Jack never went out on another date. In fact, they barely spoke to each other after that night. After graduating, Jack moved to St. Louis, and then soon thereafter went completely off the radar. No one Caroline knew had any idea where he was living or what he was doing. Caroline stayed in Wildwood and lived a quiet life, getting married and having kids of her own. There were never any reports of a man found dead on Zombie Road, and no one came forward to report the two teens. Caroline was haunted by two lingering questions. Was the man a ghost, or was he real? And what would Jack do if he found out that she broke her promise to never speak of that night again?
0: Oh. I knew he was going to be in the rearview mirror. I knew, uh-huh. I knew it. I
2: knew
0: it. I was like, ah, oh, don't do it. Don't look. Don't look. Better mm. not to know.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, it was already terrifying enough. That is really scary.
2: It'd be such a weird thing to feel like impact. Yes. Hit because of the duality there of like, part of your brain is freaked out that this is like a ghost that yeah. you just encountered. And the other part is like, did I literally just kill somebody? Yeah. Am I going to go to prison for manslaughter at the very least? And then when you can't find the body, Or but then if, but then if you did somehow hit him somehow, it's like, right. oh, did I just not see the body? And now I've killed somebody and then left the scene of a crime? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying night.
0: Mm-hmm. Give pictures.
2: I do. I got a I got a nighttime photo of Zombie Road here. Uh, you know, just a bunch of heavy brush on each side. I get why it was like a little place for like makeout spots or whatever. Also, a scary place to be out there at night. Yeah, if something weird happens. Uh,
0: yes, agreed. Fully, totally. I'm with you.
2: And then uh, I just th- looking for more pictures. Look, I decided to Google zombies on a road, <laughs> and I found that this is like in Dallas. This was a zombie walk that organizers put on in 2010. Almost 5000 brain seekers showed oh. up. You have to have beer, walk around to zombies, listen Hilarious. to live music. Yeah, a group of local businesses put it together just to have fun and you know, and get some new customers I'm guessing. And people got into it.
0: But it looks like the group of zombies is chasing this nurse.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. well she's like has her clothes torn, it's like a whole scene they're acting out.
0: Oh, okay, okay. It would it would be so much more fun if yeah. that nurse had no idea yeah, what there was, was a going on. She just went downtown yeah. and they just thought she knew and then yeah. started chasing her thinking that she was part of the fun and she's yeah. genuinely terrified.
2: Uh, this next one, this guy's zombie costume was, uh, was a good one. Ooh, is he missing an eye? No, but like he just really good, like, uh, makeup.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, It looks like there's a hole.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I've seen that kind of thing before, but like this, he did a good job. And then one more, this baby doesn't seem too concerned that it's about to get his brain eaten. <laughs> uh, baby looks happy. Yeah, rest in peace, baby. <laughs> uh, there was like about 50 pictures from this thing, and <laughs> I found a bunch between about like 2010- In 2016, just all around the country, basically at the height of Walking Dead's popularity. That was going to be my question. Yep. There was a bunch of like zombie walks all over the country. I'm like, pretty fun. Just people like out, like uh, not Halloween, just an extra day to get dressed up. They're huge fans of the show. It's cool. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's cool.
0: I bet there were zombie marathons. Because like a lot of people, when they run marathons, uh, do like themed costumes or what have Uh you. That would be, could you imagine like just visiting a town and then there's just, like the roads are, you know, uh... oh my God, what's the word? Closed off. Closed. Close down. That's not. I was like, something with a D, directed, uh, not diluted, diverted. Diverted. Thank you. I was like,
2: ah.
0: <laughs> uh, there's all these like, you know, diversions of like, oh, you can't yeah. go down this street. And then it's like, you're just funneled into zombies.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just all
0: running together. That'd be so fun.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, if they had that 5,000 in Dallas. I mean, that that would be like you said, if you didn't know that was happening. Oh my god. And you're like a big Walking Dead fan and you just go around the corner and there's just this massive group of like, oh, like, you know, people looking like zombies. Yeah. I'm sure a few people just had at least a quick moment of like, oh my God. Oh, okay. Okay,
0: yeah. (laughs) Maybe we should be zombies this year for Halloween. Oh, yeah. It's like like a very easily executable costume, but to do it well takes a a good deal of effort. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I've just been playing with this Layla head the whole time.
2: Yeah, the one I threw at you. I I got you pretty good last week.
0: You did. And this whole time I was holding it. I was going to throw it. Here's the problem. Yeah. In order to throw it, I would probably have to use my left hand and I am not a lefty. Oh, yeah. And so it would just, my fear was that I would throw it and she would just bounce off of this and then.
2: I do have an advantage where I have a straight shot with my right hand.
0: You do. (laughs) You do. I think one of these episodes, we should switch sides and see how that feels.
2: Okay.
0: It's funny how you get like used to, just like you get used to your side of the bed. Sitting on your side of the desk (sighs) uh, doing this, I would be like, I can't do the show like this. It'd be so strange. Well, I'm ready to tell you two stories if you're ready to hear them. I'm ready. Oh, okay, great. Settle in. Who's
2: Who do you have? I have a pink Layla and a black Layla. Mm, both nice and squishy. Pinky's out.
0: Pinkies out. All right, here we go. <laughs> hey, Dan and Lindsay. My name is Lexi, and I'm a listener from St. Charles, Missouri. Hi, Lexi. Before I jump into my story, I want to be clear. This story is very peeper-friendly. I think it is best to go into this story open to gain a new perspective on the supernatural, not to just get a few goosebumps. I look forward to what you guys have to say about my friendly skeleton. In my first four years, I grew up living in my grandparents' house with my mom, aunt, and uncle. I was spoiled rotten by my nana and papa. My aunt and uncle, in their late teens and early 20s, were my prime babysitters and besties. And I adored my mom. The ritual of watching the Food Network together in bed (laughs) before going to sleep was our favorite way to end the day. That house was, and is still, a place of happiness, laughter, and taking backyard sports very seriously. A stranger could walk into my grandparents' house when no one was home and feel the love for those who live there. Every other weekend and on Wednesdays, I would visit my dad, stepmom, and stepbrother. To paint the picture and abbreviate a very long story, my parents got divorced when I was 12 and it should have happened earlier. I'm now 24 and very close with my stepmom and stepbrother, but no longer speak with my dad. Visiting them was never terrible, but I often felt homesick and missed the warmth of my grandparents' home. Nighttime was always the worst. I missed being tucked in next to my mom, hearing my aunt talk on the phone in the next room, and the soft glow of Unwrapped playing on my TV. At my dad's, I had my own room, which I know I shouldn't complain about, but it also made me feel so alone. I was also terrified of the dark. During these younger years, I often cried myself to sleep in that room, clutching my dad's hunting dog, Mandy. She was the sweetest little black lab, and we never left each other's side while I was visiting. It is under those circumstances I was gifted my first encounter with the friendly skeleton. I first met him late at night in the darkness of my childhood bedroom. Shadows danced on the walls cast from branches beyond my paper blinds that always seemed luminous from the streetlights. My bedroom was flower-themed. The bed's headboard was a cute white picket fence. That was the spot he always appeared to me at. That fateful night, I was sniffling, tucked under the covers, and cuddled up to Mandy, trying to soothe myself to sleep. I squeezed my eyes shut to stop my overactive imagination from creating figures in the dark corners of my room. When out of the heavy silence, I heard, Hey, why are you crying? A kind voice whispered. My eyes shot open to the door to my room. It was empty. Doing a quick look around my room, I saw nothing. My mind was racing. Did I just make that up? I'm over here the same voice called. I looked up and my jaw dropped as I couldn't believe what I saw. It was a skeleton. Not like the one hanging in your high school biology teacher's room. He was like a shadow in the sense that he was kind of blurred and stuck to the wall. Two-dimensional, not three. The skeleton glowed in a bluish tint, like what movies place on actors to portray them as ghosts. And overall, he appeared quite friendly, like a giant nightlight his arms gave the illusion of resting on the picket fence and leaning on it, but he wasn't touching it. Maybe it was because I was a weird little kid obsessed with Halloween or that he gave off Mr. Rogers vibes, <laughs> but I didn't feel scared. When the initial shock was out of the way, I sat up and turned my visitor. I, I I, miss my mom, I told the friendly skeleton. And from there, we just, well, we just talked. Time has blurred the details of what we talked about, but this was the first of many visits. Each encounter went the same. He only showed himself at my dad's house and only when I was crying. My friendly skeleton would appear behind me on the wall and we would talk about what was upsetting me. I remember spending countless hours sitting up in bed, covers wrapped around me, Mandy curled at my side, speaking to my other world therapist. During these visits, once I had calmed down, he would tell me it was time to go to bed. So I would lie back down and talk to him before sleep took me. And this happened for at least two years. Slowly, I stopped feeling so alone in that bedroom. When nighttime rolled around, I no longer got scared. Instead, I looked forward to seeing my friend. Except if I wasn't crying, he wouldn't show up. I remember fake crying a few nights, trying to trick him into (laughs) appearing, but it didn't work. After I concluded crocodile tears wouldn't do the trick, I tried calling out each night before letting sleep take me away. I knew he had a name, and I knew it then. That's a treasure I wish that time had not stolen from me. I whispered into my dark room a name asking if he was there. All that answered was the dancing shadows on the wall and the muffled noise of cars from the highway nearby. In the end, I got my wish to see him one final time. My last encounter stands out the most in my memory because it wasn't at night and it wasn't at my dad's. The last time I saw him was at my Nana and Papa's house. It was mid-afternoon and my Nana and I were taking a nap. I was quick to fall asleep thanks to her putting on days of our lives, not nearly (laughs) as riveting as the Food Network, in my six-year-old opinion. We were sleeping in the now guest room, which used to be the room my mom and I shared. My mom married, and we had been moved in with my amazing stepdad since the beginning of this story. I remember waking up abruptly in the way you hear someone calling your name from a deep sleep. Opening my eyes, I saw him. He looked mostly the same, but didn't have that same bluish glow, appearing like a more traditional shadow with greater density in the daylight. The bed was pushed to the wall, and his skeletal face was right next to mine. It had been months since I had seen my friend, and I was not expecting to see him at that o- that moment. I screamed, and I screamed so loud, I startled my Nana awake. I was so scared of the skeleton on the wall. I watched my friendly skeleton jump out of his skin and let out a startled whoop, before turning and running to the doorway. My Nana was frantic, asking me what was wrong. Was I hurt? And I just kept shouting, my skeleton, my skeleton, I saw him. He's never been here before. My skeleton was here. Come back, skeleton. I repeatedly asked my Nana if she had seen him too, but she told me I must have just been dreaming. In the next couple of months, I would apologize to an empty room before I went to bed, regardless of which house I was at. At my dad's, I would sit in the same position, facing the headboard and an unoccupied wall telling him I didn't mean to frighten him, that I was sorry, hoping that even though he wasn't there, he could still hear me. But he never showed himself. If the shock of seeing such an unearthly sight on the regular wasn't enough to permanently etch these memories in my brain as fact and truly taking place, then the sadness I felt knowing I would never see my friend again did. In the words of Eminem, Snap back to reality. Since that time, (laughs) since the time of this story, I've had a few other mild supernatural encounters, but nothing to write a story about. A disembodied voice saying a single word, specific smells entering my personal bubble for just a few seconds before disappearing without a trace. And of course, those bitch ass spooky shadows that dart around in my peripheral vision. I was raised Catholic, but now practice witchcraft, doing a cannonball into the pool of the occult. I have researched and scoured the internet and books trying to figure out what I was talking to. Was my friend a ghost? A spirit? If so, then what kind? A spirit guide? An entity? Whatever he was, he was far from malevolent. I mean, what kind of soul-stealing demon talks to a little girl about her troubles and then makes sure she gets a full eight hours of sleep? What do you guys think I was talking to? I love telling people this story because I think it puts an interesting perspective on the supernatural. Sure, we've heard about what goes bump in the night. I hear your shadow man and I raise you my friendly (laughs) skeleton. Most people live in fear of their supernatural encounters, terrified of experiencing their hauntings again. I, however, would love to see my old friend again and catch up. To this day, once or twice a year, I'll call out at night when I can't sleep. I'll look at the wall behind my head and hope to catch a glance of my old companion, Lexi.
2: Thanks, Lexi. Uh, That is such a fun story. It is. Mm -hmm. It's so sweet. And Alexi asks, you know, like, what do you think it is? I mean, I mean, I guess I have two thoughts. You know, like, one, it absolutely could be, or maybe three, it could be some like, you know, totally friendly. Um, you know, ghost of some kind, I don't know, something. I mean, it, you know, it usually in stories where something starts off sweet but then becomes like some malevolent entity that possesses the person, you know, like that's pretty common. Sure. Lots of stories of at first it seems nice, it's an imaginary friend, then it starts to become menacing. Yes. Then there's like demonic infestation, oppression, possession, something. Yeah. It never escalated in this story. Correct. And she was very open to to communicating with it, like wanted to communicate it with it more, Mm -hmm. which seems like that would be weird for one of these. I haven't heard that arc before where it builds a rapport with a human Mm -hmm. and then just poof, just like leaves and is never once shows itself to be malevolent. Yeah. So that could be one thing. Another thing could be like, we don't know what the rules are. You know, it could be sweet for a while. And it could have been a malevolent entity that whole time that was going to like start to then haunt her. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just for some reason, I don't know, maybe it found a better soul to afflict.
0: Right. Like maybe she...
2: Maybe Satan was like, ah, buddy, come back to headquarters. I'm going to send you in this direction instead.
0: Well, and I also think like generally what we notice, a pattern that we notice is that spirits prey on uh, people who are in their weakest moments in life. Mm -hmm. So like maybe Lexi... Yeah, I mean, had normal, like, life stuff, but was never in right. a, in a weak enough spot, if you will, yeah, to be possessed.
2: Yeah. And then my third thought would be to be, like, she, you know, talked about, like, jumping into the occult. And again, I, I'm saying all this from the perspective of, I always have to feel like, you know, all these years in, that I'm like, I don't know if any of this stuff is real. Sure. But, like, based on all of the stories we've heard and all the lore I've studied and all this stuff with this now this far in, it's like, be careful if you're trying to contact this thing. yeah because you could get something as as we've seen Ooh, happen yeah. many times before that appears to be this
1: thing oh pretends to
2: be this thing but is definitely not that thing and now you and if you're wanting to you're inviting it into your life yes it's like you might think it's back in your life and it might be something very very different
0: that's a really valid point. And then I would add number four there is, of course, always the possibility mm-hmm. that it was entirely a figment of her imagination.
2: Yeah, th- th- there's that yeah, possibility. Uh huh.
0: I mean, it, I, I, I lean away from that in this story just because mm-hmm. of the way it appeared and all the different things, but. There is always that chance. Like yeah. our minds are so active, our imaginations, yeah. are... especially when we're kids. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. and yeah, and there's. I know that. I think you're going to dive into this on time. Suck this next week. But, the fourth uh,
2: dimension. Yes, like mm-hmm.
0: uh, dreams, and so mm-hmm. it's like you know maybe she was kind of floating in between these two spaces without mm-hmm. even knowing it.
2: Yeah, there is a lot of stuff with like lucid dreaming and that interesting space when you're partially asleep and your mind is partially in a dream state, but you're awake, mm-hmm. and then and then you will have like real. I say real memories that feel very real. Mm-hmm. Like a very lucid dream, mm-hmm. but that didn't, and they are real in the sense that you, you did see things.
0: Right, you did have a dream.
2: Yep, you did have a dream, a very powerful dream. Yeah, but it wasn't out here in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I love that, and I think like going forward, whenever anyone is like, "Where should I tell my like, where should mm-hmm. I have my like young child, like teenage child that I'm not sure if they're ready for it, or yeah. my creeper partner," I'm like, I think this is where you start. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. 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 And we, and we have had stories, you know, previously, and there's been ones we haven't covered here, obviously of like, you know, ghosts that sure seem friendly, you know, a, a deceased relative, yeah, uh, a, a former neighbor, whatever, or just like somebody who died in that house who likes kids or whatever. It's like, yeah. there's lots of stories about that stuff too. Agreed. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. And now one more time. Okay. You ready? Okay. We're off to Michigan. But you know, I'm from Ohio. Just ask me, I'll tell you. And I have to hate them. No, just kidding. (laughs) Hello to the queen of GTFO and King Mushmouth. (laughs) Back in October of 2022, I took my first real solo camping trip, or rather what I thought would be a camping trip, for my birthday. I packed up my car with a tent, food, clothes, my well-worn hiking boots, stuck my mountain bike on the roof, and took off for my destination, the uh, Huron-Manistee National Forest surrounding the Manistee and Auxable River in northern Michigan. The drive was largely uneventful, but when I reached the forest, I quickly realized this weekend was going to be cold, wet, and muddy, as it was dumping rain and was supposed to be raining the next day as well didn't bother me. I've slept in far more miserable weather in far worse accommodations so I pressed on fully enjoying being away from society too much to call it quits over some pesky rain. After driving around and realizing the rain and fog was hindering any sightseeing from the road I decided to go for a long hike around Big M a sort of pseudo mountain that randomly juts out of the otherwise painfully flat surroundings. I figured hey it's a weird feature bound to be some cool stuff to see on that hike and well I was certainly right. After letting people know where I was and what I was doing, I made sure I had maps downloaded on my phone, my backpack with a physical paper map, plenty of water, snack, first aid, and for my own security, my everyday carry holstered at my hip. Now, this hiking area was full of mountain bike trails, hiking trails, and old, largely impassable logging roads, but everything was fairly well marked on the maps. After about four hours of hiking through beautiful forest, across small streams, being made by the rain, and enjoying the complete solitude since it was the middle of the week and no one else was out there, I came to realize that the path I was on wasn't marked on the map. Confused, I stopped and tried to retrace my path and get my bearings, but admittedly, I was completely lost. After checking the GPS on my phone... I realized I was a couple miles from the main road and figured I'd head that way and see if anything started to make sense. Now, I feel it's important to mention that my sense of direction is incredible and I was fairly skilled in navigating without maps as I grew up in a very active scout troop that Mm -hmm. emphasized learning how to get yourself unlost if you got in a shitty situation for some reason. But I was really struggling with this one. I started getting a horrible sinking feeling that made me feel nauseous and more anxious than I've ever felt. I checked my GPS again, no signal, no GPS. Just great. I also noticed that there that where I was at I also noticed that where I was at wasn't anywhere on the downloaded or paper maps I had for the area, so I figured I must have been way off of where I thought I was. But I was on one of those old logging roads, so I thought, screw it, I'll just follow it. It'll lead me somewhere, right? I kept walking, and as I did, I passed a couple of what appeared to be active vacation properties with mobile homes on them. Nothing too spooky, but also nothing remotely inviting to where I would have felt comfortable going up to them to see if anyone was there that could point me in the right direction. I was a little further down the road, and it began to narrow to a normal hiking trail width, and the tree coverage got incredibly thick which made me question how anyone was getting back to those properties. But I kept it moving, and that's when I saw something that triggered a level of fight-or-flight response in me that I have never felt before or since. There, maybe 200 feet in front of me, was an old camper. As I looked at it, I figured it had to have been from the 60s, based on the design and colors I could see under the thick layer of moss growing on it. There was also an old car, an absolute land barge from the 70s, sitting next to it covered in even more moss. Both had broken windows and screamed, abandoned 40 years ago. After looking at them for maybe a minute or two, something in me said, draw your gun now, to which I obliged. That's when I noticed something move in the camper's window that was clearly the height and size of a human and then a clearly human-shaped, shadowy figure ducked behind the camper. Now, I'll admit, (laughs) part of me wanted to move closer to see what was going on. I mean, if someone was there, I had the jump on them, but I couldn't move forward. I felt like my feet were glued to the spot while my eyes were glued to the camper, except for what was basically a faint wisp of smoke out of the corner of my eye. Immediately after I noticed the wispy smoke cloud thing, whatever it was, is exactly when I heard something say, run, and I did. I did a 180 and sprinted back the way I had come, looking over my shoulder to see if I was being followed, firearm still drawn just in case. I can't tell you if the voice that told me to run was in my head or not, but it was clear as day and it was most definitely not my own voice. Remember how I said I passed a couple of properties in that area I couldn't find on the map? I never saw them again and the path I was on had no turnoffs or other paths, so I should have passed them. Within two minutes, I recognized where I was, a spot I had been two hours earlier. Still freaked out and running on pure adrenaline, I made it back to my car within 45 minutes. Not sure how, but hey, not bad for covering three miles of what may or may not have been trails before I ran straight through them. I stood in the parking lot for a few minutes before I left, trying to comprehend what had just happened. And I figured it was me just being silly and spooked by absolutely nothing, though I couldn't explain how I covered what originally took me two hours in two minutes without seeing the trails. I also had this horrible feeling in my gut that I needed to leave the forest and go straight home that night no matter what. Though I couldn't explain why, I but I did it. I hopped in the car, set the GPS for home, pulled out of the lot. 30 seconds down the road, I saw the one and only car I would see for over an hour. And wouldn't you know it? It was a big, long, rusty 70s sedan driven by what I can only describe as a dark shadow. Oh my God. Seems that the forests in Northern Michigan are full of wormholes where time doesn't work right and some kind of faint, foggy spirit warns people to get the fuck out <laughs> and run away from creepy, menacing cars prowling the woods. Billy.
2: Thanks, Billy. Uh, that's a new one. Yeah. Uh shadowy figure driving a car.
0: Well- Yes, I feel like, um, do you remember, oh, this is really going to test your memory. Way back when, I couldn't even tell you when, on the fan side, mm-hmm. uh, there were some kids playing in the, like they lived on a cul-de-sac mm-hmm. and they would like play and there was a school bus.
2: Yes, 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 yes.
0: That's the only other time. Oh yeah, I
2: guess there have been phantom vehicles.
0: Uh, it was well, Phantom drivers this, in the vehicle.
2: This one sounded, what I, what I thought that was different about this one though, is it sounded like a, a, a regular looking vehicle.
0: Well, kind of. Okay, so do you remember he says when he comes across the one uh, uh, camper covered in mold or moss, then there's also like a land barge of a vehicle. So he, to me- It's
2: that vehicle.
0: Yes, driven by whatever spooky, shadowy entity he saw around that camper.
2: Maybe maybe it's just, uh, yeah, for for some reason in my head, the other like ghost vehicle, you know, uh, were being driven by, I don't know, like I guess like- Something that looked like more like a traditional ghost from a movie. Like somebody who's kind of like translucent. Yeah. But but now I was picturing like a shadow figure driving this old vehicle, which just made it like, you know, creepier to me.
0: Yeah. I was thinking like hat man minus the hat, Mm. like a really dark, dense uh, entity, which is creepy.
2: And then I was thinking about, and he said his name at the end. What was it again? Billy. Billy. uh, Like uh, think about what Billy said about his following his gut, you know, and just leaving that night. Yeah. Do you ever think about like, you have a strong intuition That you need to do something and and then you follow it Mm -hmm. you follow it do you ever think about like what would have happened if i wouldn't have followed it what would have happened to me there uh i've had those thoughts
0: yeah i guess so i not so much like in my like later adult years and like Mm -hmm. but more like um around decisions about like um whether or not to go home with a guy or Mm. you know like at a high school party and just being like i don't know feels like this is just going to end in drama or trouble like that kind of thing yeah uh, and usually yeah. right but my adult brain is like well yeah of course Lindsay it was a bunch of like 16 17 18 year old kids yeah. getting drunk smoking weed of course there was going to be drama like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not some
2: paranormal special
0: thing. like intuition that's yeah. just your brain being a little bit more logical
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: i don't know what do you have any experiences
2: yeah, just like weird things like um playing in the woods as a kid where i'm like Ah, something feels weird about this spot in the woods.
0: Oh, I guess because I didn't grow up in woodsy area, like mm-hmm. very city life.
2: About like ah, we we I, I don't I don't feel good about staying in this area. Yeah, like and no no idea. Could have been nothing. Could have been just all in my head because I and I and I'll never know because since I did leave, you know, you can't know what would have happened. Yeah, and then that other thing he talked about, like I just thought it funny. A uh, uh, good source of direction. Um,
0: good I, sense of direction.
2: Like how, how like Billy has like a great sense of direction and like uh-huh. the scouts and stuff. I have never had that. No, you do not. Like, I love you so much. I can remember like landmarks and stuff. I have mm-hmm. a good memory for that. I'm like, no, I think it's over there because I saw this. Uh huh. But out in the woods with a bunch of tre- trees, it kind of looks similar or whatever. Oh yeah. Like if I didn't have GPS or something, I would totally get lost so easily and have gotten lost. You know, it's like, then, then you just, ha- I know at least enough to like, well, go downhill yeah. or find a creek and then follow the creek down until you get to a, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. But as far as having a concept of where I am, nope.
0: I I don't think I would have a great sense of directions out in the woods either. I think I do what, excuse me, every person Mm -hmm. does when they enter a hiking trail or anything, or maybe this is more predominantly like a female thing. Even if I was going to go do like Tubbs Hill right here, you know, it's like, when I enter the trail, I do look around and I kind of clock like who else is around. Mm. And I look for little markers. Like sometimes there will be, you know, like a piece of trash or um, yeah. maybe somebody has walked past this tree and it's scraped their clothing. And now there's, you know, like little sh- uh, shreds of cotton or something on it. Like oh, I make a yeah. lot of mental Landmarks. markers. And even though I know that that trail is a loop mm-hmm. and I know how to do it, I know how to go around it. I know how to go up and over. Like I know where the trails are. I'm still hyper aware but in like regular life, not in the woods, I have—I yeah. actually have a really good sense of, I won't necessarily be able to tell somebody how to get somewhere, but I can get myself there.
2: I, I was just thinking, I was trying not to laugh. I was just thinking about Tubbs Hill specifically. Yeah. Like for those of you who are not from here, you know, it's like, uh, it's basically, it's just right next to downtown. Yeah. So there's like a little peninsula with a big hill on it. And I say big, but you could walk up and over it in if you're in decent shape, no more than an hour. Oh, you know, yeah. Like like that. I was just thinking about how funny it would be. I mean, kind of sad, but also if someone truly got lost on Tubbs Hill. Oh yeah, like I'm like, how well, could that, is that even possible? Okay, okay. I mean, I mean, like, I'm talking lost for days. Oh, like someone, someone's I've never like, even heard of that. There. <laughs> no, yeah. it's such a small. Just crack myself <laughs> up. Where like people are like, oh, this is tragic, but also how the hell.
0: Yeah, because it's not that big. Did
2: this person get lost? Yeah.
0: And also you can kind of almost (laughs) always get to a point where you can see a house or a car or hear life going on. But Mm -hmm. I was thinking about, okay, Kyler is the
2: worst out in the woods. Kyler's the worst in the woods because he's so so confident. Exactly. And he has no clue where he is.
0: Nope. We've got, I have gotten lost with him multiple Mm -hmm. times. And one time it was like when he was younger and I'm trying to let him build his confidence. So I'm like, (laughs) okay, buddy. Okay. We're uh, at like Dishman Micah. Yeah. And- he gets us lost. And we are now 20 minutes late to pick his sister up from school. Mm-hmm. And I am furious, yep. mostly at myself, for letting like a 12-year-old yeah. Yeah. be in charge.
2: My, my favorite thing about when Kylie would like, every once in a while, I'd let him lead a little bit too. And then I'd be like, hey, buddy, mm-hmm. okay, we can't do this anymore. We have to go back this way. He's like, no, 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 I know this is the right way. And then we- He's never then, right. Yep. And then we'd come back down the hill. Like, I mean, as bad as I am, in these situations where we go on trails, I can remember how to backtrack a trail. Right, right, you know. Right. And, uh, and then we get back down. And then he realized that he was completely off mm-hmm. for like one moment, for like one, two seconds. Yeah. He's like, oh, shoot. And then that confidence, like the third second is right back. Yep. Yep. It, like the very next He's time like, we well, got if there- We would have. Uh-huh. Oh it, it's God. like it never phased his confidence no matter how many times he would be wildly lost.
0: Oh, that kid. <laughs> Bless him. The, the, the beauty of youth. Hmm. Yeah. So we're going to do um, our Annabelle shout outs okay. and our spoopy shoutouts, And then Dan and I are going to hang for just a few minutes after yeah. that. I just have a, um, a medical procedure coming up on my hips. And so mm-hmm. we just want to share a tiny bit about yeah, that.
2: People have been asking.
0: Yes. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Go right ahead.
2: Uh, I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting this show. Dana Alexander, Daniel Toner, Doug Beard. That's a very manly name.
0: It is. Doug, Doug- beard i want doug to be like a huge human
2: i want doug to be like a tiny like not not traditionally masculine in any shape way or form oh that'd be funny just like the like, like a big guy named tiny i know but uh Kendall atkins robert eric with a c wait wait, wait.
0: kendyle
2: or yeah. kendall oh maybe kendall how's it spelled <laughs> k-e-n-d-y-l-e never seen that version of but probably okay. kendall
0: or kendale
2: or can Ken, can i don't know kendall Kendall.
0: Ken Dale, like Dale, like D A Y L E. That's mm-hmm. Dale. It is. Well, it's uh, to me, it's an alternate spelling. Okay, Ken, we're gonna Kendall. need we're gonna need
2: some help here. Kendall Atkins, shoot us an email. Uh, Robert, uh, Eric with a C and a K. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan O'Neill, Eric Chadwick, Ruben Bates.
0: Nice Ruben. I love a Ruben sandwich. <laughs> Sounds. Real- I'm so hungry right now. Uh, I would like to thank the following Annabells for supporting us and helping us to donate to Preservation Hall this month. Mm-hmm. It's all in the cards podcast. Bobby oh, cool. Antilla, uh, Jeremy Angerman, Dylan Wood- Woodard, or Woodward, Sophia Ribel, Robert Fisher, Tiana Darden or Tiana Darden, and Casey Jones. And then I have a few spoopy shout outs. This is so cute. To Sunflower from Loverboy. Happy <laughs> birthday and happy anniversary. Can't wait to spend the rest of our years together. To Lillian from Sam, I love you so much, Chachi. Happy seventh birthday. I love, I'm sorry, happy seventh anniversary. I love you. To Laura from Stephanie, happy, happy birthday. And to the rest of our spirit tribe, wishes for an amazing paranormal experience at the Essayne Asylum, hope nothing follows us home. To Nate from Tyler, happy birthday. Thanks for getting me into scared to death and time suck. I miss Uh, you, bud. And I hope your new career is going well. uh, And to Dan from Charity, happy anniversary. So happy I found you. Can't wait to spend our years making memories and sharing scared to death.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, so sweet. So let me set up this thing for Lindsay here. Um, By the time you hear this episode, yeah, Lindsay will be recovering from her hip procedure. Uh, The next episode will be the first weekly episode recorded after she's had this procedure. And the February bonus episode will be recorded within about a week. Uh, after she's had it and i'm sure we'll talk about it you know more extensively on that recording but just um yeah checking in with like how you're feeling now
0: okay so what am i having done so if you've been following the show there was like a period at some point where i was having like a really hard time even like sitting and so the very short of a very long story is that in my mid 30s i was diagnosed with severe hip dysplasia in both my hips it was just entirely missed my whole childhood i discovered it when i was training for a half marathon and i was having a lot of pain and you know, then you start down this path, right? And they wanted me to have a surgery called a PAO, a periacetabular osteotomy, where they break your hip and reset it to give your hip more coverage. So basically the issue is ball, socket, you should have full coverage. I have about a half a socket on each side. And so they're kind of constantly doing this over the course of my Mm -hmm, life. mm -hmm. So I don't have like, and, and of course, like not knowing, like I did ballet for 13 years, yeah. that aggravated all these things, like just living life and always a little like irritable in my hips. But like, I don't know, you just get used to things and you think like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess that's like what my body does. Or other people are like, oh yeah, my hips hurt too. So you're like, oh, okay, normal. Yeah. So we go down this path, we figure it out. I'm like, I'm absolutely not having that surgery. I'm not in that kind of pain. There's an age limit to it. I was right at the edge. And what I learned in this entire process is that whatever healer you seek will suggest the modality in which they heal so as to say if you see a surgeon they're gonna cut if you see a masseuse they're gonna massage like there's right okay so always be your own best advocate but we went down this path and prp platelet-rich plasma injections were suggested to me and so we start this like journey and that is for anybody who doesn't know they do a big blood draw and they put your blood into a centrifuge which separates the plasma from the platelets I'm not a scientist, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then through other research and just super freaking randomly, I was in PT for my hips and I'm talking to the PT about doing PRP. And this other guy across the room goes, you need to go see Dr. Podesta. And I was like, what? Excuse me now? Well, it turns out this guy, Dr. Podesta, he is in Naples, Florida. He um, was part of the team that invented the Tommy John surgery, uh, for yeah, big, pitchers,
2: big baseball surgery. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He was the Dodgers doctor. He was the angels doctor. Now he's the doctor for whatever Tampa's hockey team is like this guy and it's lightning. Perfect. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember, but he's part of like this big medical group cutting edge. And so here I am in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. This other PT is like, Oh, well that's who I trained under. I know this guy. He's the best. I meet with him once and I am just madly in love with him. His bedside manner is what you wish for every doctor. He's so sweet. He's so kind. He's so informative. Just just a beautiful human. Like, I really love him. And he's like, looks at all my records and says, okay, I think what we should do is BMAC with PRP. BMAC is a bone marrow aspirate concentrate. So what's going to happen is they're going to At the iliac crest of both of my hips, they're going to insert a ginormous effing needle and suck out some bone marrow and then do the PRP process and mix the two together. So it's all my stuff. This is why it's like incredibly successful because you're not risking a rejection rate. And then they're going to do an ultrasound guided injection into the front of my hip into where the issues are with the hips. And also in both of my hip labrums, I have two inch long, full thickness tears. So I have these big tears because there's just all this like undue stress on my hips. So we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm currently not terrified. The, the night before I am certain I will not sleep. Uh, they give you a big dose of Ativan. I had like a long talk with them about like, listen, this is how I am without caffeine. And they're like, okay, we'll dose you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm again, I'm certain I'll be nervous day before day of, I get like very weepy. I'm sure I'll be crying just like out of pure fear of the unknown, but the goal and the hope is to avoid hip replacement surgery. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's, so when we say about like, you know, we had to like push ahead to record a bunch of stuff. So to make, to allow some space for healing. Um, I don't know what it'll look like. Like, well, will I be miserable sitting in this chair and then like need to stand for a recording, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing and I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty stoked about it. Yeah. I think good. science is so cool. Like mm-hmm. what we're doing and how fast it's going, but yeah, that's the condensed version. I think that was under five minutes. I talked really <laughs> fast, but it's, it's a lot to like absorb and you know, yeah, when you're the one going through it, you're like yeah. the most invested in it.
2: Yeah. Lindsay's a good communicator. I, I do think about like, um, I think about the old joke about the voicemail and stuff, uh, about your talking, uh-huh. um, I cracked up. I forgot to tell you the other day when I passed you, you were in your car and you hadn't seen me. And I was coming back home in the truck uh over oh, by the Starbucks. By a human being? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like the most every time I've seen you in a car, I just see hands. Like if you're you're stopped, you're going and like really animated and I'm stuff. I'm doing
0: my polos, okay? <laughs>
2: Uh, I, I do wonder, like, um, and I love that about you. Um, Thank you. on a, on a car ride, I'm, I'm
0: sure it can be a lot. I understand that too.
2: On a car ride, like, cause I'll be so quiet. Do you ever just like, I mean, and, and no wrong answer, but oh, yeah, I'm just curious I, yes. where you're just quiet for like 30 minutes, just Som- just deepen your thoughts.
0: Sometimes I will get in the car and, uh, just like have my phone is, you know, yeah. around in case somebody calls, but I turn off everything. I don't huh. have music. I don't have anything on. It all depends on like, uh, what is happening in our life. Yeah. And like currently, I am prepared to kind of just like go MIA for a week or two to focus on my healing. Yeah. So I did this like preemptive catch up with a lot of my girlfriends. Ah, okay. Um. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I sometimes I need complete another silence. Sometimes I need to like sing at the top of my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, you're
2: gonna be good. You're gonna be good. And then yeah, so. Dan's if, uh, gonna be my nurse. Yeah. So. so we'll see how it goes. It'll be entertaining. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll have stories. Oh, yeah. I'm certain. <laughs> uh but send that, me
0: all your good juju prayers, yeah, vibes, like yeah. whatever uh whatever your healing modality is when you have a friend going through something. I am opening myself to all of the love and healing vibes.
2: Yeah. Uh thank you uh for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror creeps and peepers to my story scared to death We love hearing all these stories. Ah, uh, you can email us for everything else, including checking in on Lindsay. Info at scaredtodeathpodcast dot com. Uh, thanks to our staff, including Olivia Lee for finding both stories I told this week, Logan recording this episode. We're on YouTube if you want to watch the show. We're on Facebook and Instagram where we post pics and company episodes and more at Scared Death Podcast. We have a private Facebook group Creeps and Peepers, full of fellow horror lovers. Big thanks to the All-Seen Eyes, uh, the Creeps and Peepers moderators. Uh, you were all fantastic. So glad that Lindsay is now in more direct communication with you all. She has nothing but amazing things to say about you. Uh, thanks for making our online community such a fun and welcoming place for so many. You, you do a lot. Uh, enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death.
0: Bye.
2: If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Vanish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may
1: pass through, but have no home here
2: within. Scared to death. At Magic Productions. Yeah. I think
0: the roads are, you know, uh oh my God, what's the word? Closed off. Closed, Closed down. That's not- I was like, something with a D, directed... Uh, not diluted, diverted. Diverted. Thank you. I was like, ah. <laughs> Join me, Dr. Panico, with Cindy Lauper and chef Michelle Bernstein to talk about plaque psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, the potential connection and risk of developing permanent joint damage.
1: Learn more at 1-844-COSENTIX or cosentix.com slash cindy.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We are approaching the halfway mark for 2024, and it feels like time has either gone super slow or really fast. As we move towards our halfway point, it's a great time to take stock of what has happened so far this year. What have you accomplished? What do you still need to give your attention to?
2: I feel as though I'm making good progress this year. I have prioritized my mental health, getting good sleep, eating well, working out, and meeting with my therapist on a regular basis. I do have some other goals that I'm going to try and focus on in the back half of the year. My therapist and I created a game plan to help me stay on track.
0: Like most of us, I had big dreams and goals for this year. I even had a note to write them all down and come up with a plan of attack. It's been there since January, and I still haven't done it. I was recently speaking with my therapist about this, trying to get to the root of my procrastination. And while I don't really have an answer for why I'm avoiding setting goals for myself, I am working on it. And that's one of the great things about engaging in therapy. It's a good place to sort out what is holding you back or standing in your way. If you're struggling to execute your to-do list or tackle your big dreams, now might be a good time to work with a therapist. Don't let this year pass you by.
2: Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash scared to death.